Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Okay, so by the magic, am I recording? Yes, I am. (laughs) By the magic of Zoom, we are on three different continents. We have Karina in Australia. We've got Stuart McGee in Paris and me in Seattle, Washington in the United States on a Zoom call. It's midnight for me, four in the afternoon for Karina and nine in the morning for Stuart and we're making it work. Um, I just want to thank you guys for being on here because I never knew Pierre Rambert, but I wanted to do a tribute to him because it feels really important as we're losing people, you know, losing from the Bluebell community, but he was somebody that a lot of people looked up to and adored and we don't get to have proper goodbyes. And we're also spread out. So this just felt important that we get to tell of his legacy and his character and um, for you guys to maybe fill us in on some of those gaps because I never met him. I only heard about him from doing the podcast interviewing and his name kept coming up and people like Jeremy, you need to interview him. So then I reached out and it, it didn't happen, but here's a way we can like kind of tell that story. But I only know up to Bluebell and Don Arden's day. And then I know there's a big gap for me until I went to the Bluebell reunion and saw the new one, but I I've only been hearing out because of the interviews. And so if you guys could introduce yourself a little bit and then your position, you're in the world of cabaret, like when you came into it, what shows you did and where, and then we'll, we'll kind of piece this together and anything you want to throw in there, your experience with Bluebell and Don Arden and, and with Pierre, what that was like to, to see those changes happen in, in your world. So Karina, do you want to go first and just tell a little bit about yourself? Oh, hi, Sherry. Lovely to see you again and, and lovely to see Stuart on the screen. Uh, so I started in Paris in 1981. I came over from Australia at 17 years old and I um, started the Coco Rico in its uh, conception. Uh, so that's when I met Pierre and Miss Bluebell and the choreographers. And over to you, Stuart. Well, I came to Paris in 1987. Um, slightly older than Karina, um, into, um, I was employed by Pierre. Bluebell had just left at that particular time. So I came in to do Panache for 10 months and I'm still here. Um, so yes, I knew <laughs> Pierre. I met John, I met Bluebell. Um, hearing all the stories about them, I mean, when I met Don Arden, he was charming. I was like, are you sure you're Don Arden? He was absolutely <laughs> charming. And yes, really? you, Sherry could laugh because I'd heard all these stories and I was thinking, oh God, it's Don Arden. And he was absolutely delightful. But yes, and I worked with Pierre for a long time. So as a dancer mm-hmm. and then as assistant. So, Yeah, because I've heard more and more sweet stories of Don Arden recently and I've heard some horrible ones, but it's like, depends on what time of day you meet up with him. But I do feel like we, we also like, we want to honor the man that created all these things too. So Karina, you knew Bluebell and, and Pierre. Was Pierre a dancer in these shows ever? Or how did he come into this cabaret world? Do you know? Pierre? Mm-hmm. How did he come in? I'm actually not sure because he was already in Ale Lido as a principal dancer. Oh, he was. So I probably I probably saw him, I think, um, in Ale Lido before it closed. Uh, but then we started rehearsing for Coco Rico. 
So I hadn't actually been officially introduced to Pierre. Uh, so I saw him in rehearsals and uh, he looked just like a ballet master. He had his uh, green knitted, I think his mum had knitted it for him, a green uh, ballet unitard. And he had John Lennon glasses on and he was uh, very, you know, very much like a, a ballet dancer. And I just remember him watching me all the time in, in rehearsals. So then I found out later on that I'd be dancing with him, you know, that he was the principal dancer in the show. Oh, really? I've seen pictures of him. He does look like a, a beautiful technician because I, all the pictures at first was only him as like his role in management and producer, director. I didn't. And then it wasn't until I saw later pictures of him as a dancer. So I'm just piecing all this together myself. So how fun. So you guys partnered. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so he, so basically I started off as a bluebell cover dancer at 17 and then he was very much Miss Bluebell's right-hand man at that time. And so I didn't really have very much to do with him as much as I had with the choreographers at the time. Uh, and then he would come down as we started the show, he would come down and say good evening, you know, as well as Miss Bluebell did every night. And he was very much, you know, hands-on with all the dance captains and running the show and keeping it, um, you know, as it was, and clean and tidy because it was all brand new. And but uh, the funny thing is, a funny little story was I, I was a little bit uh, shocked about all the, the nudity because <laughs> I was just straight out of ballet school. And so I had a little pink uh, dressing gown that I used to wear and cover myself up and everyone was running around naked and I'd be like, you know, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm just covering. And I felt like there was this little cat and mouse game going on with Pierre and I that he'd try and catch me out in the dressing room, you know, just before I'd get dressed or something. And then one day um, that happened and I was just like, oh, he saw me. Oh! And then basically the next day I was up in the uh, Miss Bluebell's Lodge um, um, asked to do principal understudy because one of the principals is leaving, Elisa Scaroni. Uh, and um, this was like kind of six months down the track after the show had started. And so that's when I went principal. So I kind of jumped from being a bluebell covered to principal after he saw me. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get that and initiation. Then I had a, and then I had a lot more to do with him then because basically I was principal, he was principal. Uh, and we would also, you know, I was going out with Gunnar, uh, who was an ice act in the show, and we were friends because we were all up in the, um, sorry, that's my dog, we were all up in the dressing room at, um, together upstairs, and so, and we'd go out a lot together to party, you know, with the, the acts and the principal dancers, and yeah, so that's when I got to him personally a lot better when I went principal. Was it understood or was it even what was happening was miss bluebell was kind of transitioning out and pierre was he being made ready oh, to no, step not into then. this oh, was no, just not okay no. not okay he was no, just he, he was a principal he was like he was like what stuart was for pierre the okay. right man yeah well let's go to stuart then and let your part with that too because i i love the whole transition thing because it's a huge production to hand over to someone and like how who steps into that role and how well they're prepared seems really important well i mean i know that pierre started um at the old lido in the last show there and then he came in he replaced a guy called michael ingleton who was pierre's assistant at that time michael had moved back to australia uh, and then he started as boy, he was boys captain at Ali leader and then took over as principal when Michael left and then um, developed and became um, Bluebell's right-hand man, as Karina said. But also it's one of those things when you're part of it because, you know, 
in my in my situation because quite often the head of the leader would change, not the family. The clericos were always there. The head of the leader would change, and you would have to explain to them how the show ran. And people who weren't part of it found it very difficult because in any of these long-running shows in Vegas, when the show is dark, you don't have the necessity for swings. But in Paris, because it was open every day, for every six performers on stage, you had eight performers. So there's six places on stage. There was somebody on a day off and somebody on vacation. So you had a day swing and a holiday swing. So when I came in, I came in as a holiday swing because um, I changed. So when Karina was on vacation, I'm using this as an example, I would do her spot and then Karina would come back and then I would do Sherry's spot in the show. So I didn't have a fixed spot. So that taught me how the line of men worked, which also then explained to me how all the different groups of dancers worked because it was the same situation. So that's how you learn. And, um, and I got on very well with Pierre. You know, that, that was a plus. When I auditioned for the show back in the 80s, um, I had a very good friend who was a principal dancer in the show at the time who I'd lost contact with, an American guy called Troy Sharp. And um, we had replaced each other in Australia many, many times. He was sort of my height and or I was his height and whatever. Sharon didn't look like him, but never mind. Um, <laughs> so when I auditioned, Troy had said to Pierre, um, Stuart would be perfect for the show, but you two should never meet. And when Pierre and I met, we just clicked straight away. We got on like a house on fire. So we were rude to each other from day one. So, um, so what happened towards um, during Bravissimo, he turned around to me once and said, because he would take the summer off, he said, book this time off, and, which I did in the, in the line of holidays. And then he turned around to me and said, oh, I'm taking you out of the show. So you replace me um, for my vacation. Um, under the understanding that if there was a problem with Shard, obviously go back on stage. So that was the beginning of working as his assistant. And then for um, Sam Ajik, he offered me the job as his assistant. I stayed as boys captain and then um, basically set out and dealt with the day-to-day -day running of the show. And that was the usual things, just making sure that the show happens, liaising with the different departments, work papers, any problems, making decisions, you know, the ice gets stuck. So how do, what do we do? You know, bring this forward, change this around. Well, Karina knows all. Of it. Well, you know, we all know all of that. It's just the show goes on, so you make it work by hook or by crook. Were you ready to be done performing? Was this kind of a gradual exit out of performing? Because there's like our bodies start to get tired, and or were you okay? Like that switch to management is the. It seems like a big deal. It it would well yes and no because the captains were all the captains were involved with their. Um, groups, you know, you, we did vacation lists, we did changing days off, which sounds silly, but you know, you would work for three weeks so you could have four days off to go to a wedding or go away or, you know, so you, you would organize that. You'd have to organize the show if somebody got sick before the show or injured during the show. So you, you, that was just part and parcel. Um, I was contemplating giving up. I was in my thirties then um, which in Australia was old for a dancer in, that, in those particular days. Uh, and this, this came up and it just, it, I, it was never actually a career plan. It happened for me. I was very fortunate. So um, I just went with, went with the flow as it were. And hmm. Pierre was a great teacher as well. You know, as Karina was saying, you know, so I learned from Pierre. So you, the girls dressing room, or I used to call it the snake pit was, um, <laughs> 
two floors down below this two floors down below the stage yes Karina you know I call it the snake pit um and you would go down because I would go down to speak to the other captains the girls captains so I would go down I'd say I've got changes tonight da, 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 da. what do you have and we'd make the show work and so Pierre always went through all the dressing rooms every night and said good evening you know that's what he did the men were not supposedly allowed in the girls dressing rooms nor were the girls supposedly allowed in the boys' dressing room. That rule was never upheld, but anyway. But it was also, this is probably, it's not voyeuristic by any stretch of the imagination, it was also you would walk down and it was just sort of natural and you would see the girls and you would suddenly go, hmm, okay, let's see on. And then it was upstairs being offered a different position. I know it's an awful, an awful scenario because it, with cabaret, for the Lido anyway, I can talk about that, if you don't get if you're not the height you don't get your foot in the door to start with and then all the other attributes come into it what do you look like how do you perform what is your charisma how do you dance that's a whole melting pot but the first thing is are you tall enough when i joined the show i'm i'm like 185 186 i was a short boy the other boys were like six foot six and there was me and the other group i was the short group no, so, you know, it, it varies, but I, I the girls always in. tended to be cool. What did you say? But that worked for Korea. Oh, no, uh, just, um, just saying, Stuart, um, I remember because I danced with you as well, and we were, we were the shorties. I was um, one of the shortest girls in the show. I was in C group when I first started. Um, and I only just scraped in, and I never grew. I never grew. Doing principal and doing swing exactly like what Stuart had done. I did everybody's parts in the show, but the, with the hierarchy was if you were um, a car dancer and then you went up usually through the ranks. So once you were topless, you never went back down to being a covered dancer. You stayed as a topless dancer. And so I, like Stuart, would do like a month of the principal dancer, and then she would have. Uh, sorry, I would do when they had their four days off consecutively. So we'd work a whole month and then we'd have four days off and there were four principal girls. So I would do, uh, you know, one principal girl, then the next and the next and the next, so the four, and then I'd have my four days off. And when I was spare, then I would give everyone a number off um, in the nude line, but not in the blue line. That and that was so difficult nice. when you're small and you have to wear really big costumes. So that was all a little bit difficult for me, especially there were some small roles that I couldn't do because I was too small. Wow. That's so I did the same show for a year, same part, didn't swing. And then I hear like the Paris shows, like that's everybody was swinging everything. The fact that you would even swing out numbers instead of just the whole night just you have to be on top of your game. You have to be thinking and like how Stuart, you're saying like the stuff that happens backstage to make sure like, oh, we have to fill in because whatever the audience sees, they have no idea. Let's like, say you all just show up every night, do the same show. And the things that are that are making that show come together, the math, the, yeah, the brains. Yeah, um, remember one story, sorry, Stuart. I just, go, go. just saw one story before I, it jumped into my head. Jane Kelly came to watch the show. And I was doing the panache sign that night and I was, uh, I wasn't a tapper. So I'd learned tap and I, I, I remember being the 10th understudy, but maybe I was wrong about that. Anyway, I came off stage. Um, we were all very nervous. And then Pierre said, quick, you've got to do the tap solo. Uh, no one's there to do it. And I said, are you kidding me? I'm doing Kelly. I have to do the tap. And it's just like, 
oh, but not possibly. He said, no one else to do it. Hurry up, get changed. So he was literally standing side stage and throwing me in the costume <laughs> that night. Oh, for Gene Kelly doing tough. Yeah. Oh, I can't, yeah, I can't think of anything that would be more intimidating. Wow. So, so as far as Pierre's character, like how did you watch him kind of come up in the ranks and, and see him kind of move in as Bluebell's right-hand person? And like, did that change the dynamic of the show? Is because Bluebell leaving, I don't know if that was a big deal or not of just how much this has always been a kind of her baby and then to turn it over and feel like you're in good hands when she's gone. What was that like for you, Karina? Cause I know you worked closely with her. Oh, so, so when I first started, Pierre was very much the right-hand man and they were very involved together. They had a beautiful relationship together. Uh, they obviously talked about everything together first before they talked to the other dancers in the show. So they're very in, they're very in sync with each other. Um, and then um, I can't remember, was it Panache uh, that Pierre took over from Bluebell uh, Stewart? Yes, it was Panache. Yeah, so when Pierre yes. took over from, from Miss Bluebell, Miss Bluebell was still there every night. She didn't leave. She was always still there. She'd come down and say, good evening. And, and they still work together. Huh. That just that little special touch, like that Pierre did that too, like just coming back and saying good evening. Like that just is something very personal that stayed until she was really totally done. It was yeah, also I wasn't there a, when she left. Stuart was, so Stuart would know more about that. Um, with with um, Miss Bluebell, I didn't work for her, but I did meet her because she was watching the show and she would come back. She still had a dressing room backstage um, and I was introduced to her and she was charming. Uh, and then she basically, she was probably towards, probably just after Karina left, um, that was when she started to come in less and less. Hmm. Uh, but we used to do a charity performance every year at Les Invalids, which is the military hospital yeah. um, in Paris, which is where Napoleon's tumors, big gold dome. Yeah. yeah. And um, every year we did a charity performance. We would do part of the show out there, um, which she had organized many years beforehand. And you had a lot of people, but it's not strictly military hospital anymore. It's now people who are severely, have been severely injured, quadriplegics and, people with broken backs and that sort of stuff. But you would go out there and you would have all these, you know, five-star generals and, you know, all these people in, in wheelchairs and um, beds and all that sort of stuff. We do part of the show, which was very odd in the middle of the day when you're out there and it's, especially as a male in a G string doing a number, it's just not. Well, that does anyway. but, <laughs> but Miss Bluebell was always there for that. She was always there for that because she had initiated it. Karina must have done invalids as well. It was done every Many. year, every year. It was an honor. Yeah. So she still had her eye over it a little bit. That must have been interesting for her to relinquish that, but it had, like, for her too, like, this has to be in good hands to know that all this, well, that and, she's, and, all these years. And also the fact that they, um, it's still her name, you know, they're still called the Blue Bells. You know, even now that the Clericos are no longer involved with the Lido, um, who she worked for for such a long time, um, it's still her name because they, they bought the name off her um, because it was so synonymous with the Lido. But then again, you know, also with um, Vegas and Reno and so many places over the years as well. So when you come into the Stuart and, and the, this is happening, are you kind of seeing, like, let's talk about Pierre's character and like what you're seeing 
as, of him kind of moving into this place of higher up the ranks. And Pierre had an incredible eye for women. Um, and he was also probably one of the best showgirls you've ever seen. Uh-huh. Uh, he really was. Um, I can remember once this, I was rehearsing and this girl came in, bless her, she must, was not quite 18, just short of 18. And she came in and had that stoop, you know, with a lot of girls get because they wanted to be five foot six and the six foot two. So she came in and she had this sort of 80s perm. And I'm looking at this girl going, and I looked at her and said, seriously? I said, well, I have to wait and see. <laughs> and which was report, she, this particular girl, Linda, she reminded me that I did her makeup on her first night. Um, she came on stage breathtaking, absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. And I suddenly go, how did you see that? But he did. He had an incredible eye for, um, for women. He really, really did. And, and he would never ask him to do anything he couldn't. And God help, we had a number of the show called Rocking Chairs, which I thought it can't be that hard. And so one time the set was up on stage and I thought, well, let's try this, you know, this, you know, rocking chair. But how hard can it be? It was really, really, really hard. But those poor girls, if they didn't get it together, purely on stage and the entree between shows, bring a chair and you'd be like, oh, poor things. And yep, <laughs> no, he, he, was, he was there. And also for a long time, he was nudes captain as well, as well as being principal and Bluebell's assistant. He was um, uh, captain for the line of nudes. Really? So in Kokoriko, I believe, is that right, Karina? Uh, yes, I think so, Stuart, and you're right. Karina, was that had a, correct? Yes, I think, I think you're correct there, Stuart, and, uh, and thank you for reminding me too that, that Pierre actually taught me how to apply stage makeup. He took time out and he took an hour and he said he did the whole thing from the beginning and, and very particular about shading. Uh, he, he shaded because I have a high forehead, so he shaded my, my forehead and he shaded in where my temples are and he showed me to apply, how to apply the cheeks to accentuate my cheeks. And then the, the shading, the, the applying of the shading first and then adding on to that with the highlights afterwards and the cat eyes. So I learned how to walk, how to apply makeup from him. Because your makeup, I remember looking at your photos, was amazing. And you posted a video, I don't know if it was, I think it was before he passed. It was him at somebody's house doing the showgirl walk. Do you know yes, which video I'm talking been, about? Because I think yes, that's what I He looks yes, like a fun Savannah, character. Savannah, Savannah had come over and I said, can you please show her, you know, it's continued to do the tradition and show her how to do a showgirl walk because you're the best at that. And he did. And I took a video and I'm so happy I did that. Uh, I don't think he might be posting it because he really just swan down that stage. You know, nobody could do it as good as Pierre. Nobody. So did he do anything with choreography or, or like, was he like rehearsals of cleaning up at rehearsals? Cause I mean, I think I've seen pictures of him, maybe video of him moving and dancing. And so I wasn't sure like what his capacity was for that is, He's still moving. It looks like very far up into his years, he was still moving that body so beautifully. Well, yes, yes he was. And then also, yeah, very, very much. And also when um, we did, if we did tours, there was a show that was called A Touch of Lido, which was a promotional-esque show that, you know, we did tie-ins with um, airline companies or we did a tour in South America. Um, and some of the numbers were numbers from 
shows, but a lot of them were numbers that he choreographed and staged. He was very interested in staging, which um, Don Arden had encouraged, basically saying, you know, this is something that you're interested in, so do it, continue, watch, learn. Oh, so wow. that, yeah, very much so. That's I mean, huge, when he left the Lido, uh the year before last, he did a, a directed a production of Caviata, Caviata, which he staged, and then had been contacted about doing a few other operas um, for opera houses in France. So he was still very much involved in all of that. You know, he's also a great intellect. He read a great deal. He was interested in opera, ballet. He read a lot. Um, he painted, all of that. So, yes, he was very much, um, very much part of the theatrical scene. He liked to be challenged. Wow. Very creative. Very creative. Yep. So, Karina, what can you tell about his character? Besides he was the one that got you going topless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all his fault um well you know he was an absolute sweetie pie and he had a wicked sense of humor and um, we always laughed we were always very cheeky I guess that's why Stuart and Pierre got on so well because you know they're both cheeky uh, <laughs> and tongue-in-cheek you know um and he he had a very high standard and you know he was on it like if you if you didn't do your best you know, he's out there and he was watching and you knew he was out there watching you. And so if something happened and you slipped up a little bit, he'd be there. He'd be waiting for you side stage and say, now what is the problem, you know? So at work he was, you know, a professional, true and true. And it was always about the show, you know, keeping it the highest standard he could possibly keep it with the dance captains involved as well. So, yes, you know, we knew that we couldn't slip up. He was always what? the eagle eye <laughs> yeah did you guys get but notes character uh from our dance captains yeah yeah but pierre oversaw all of that and uh but you know behind the scenes you know we would laugh and have fun and he would care he would always have a listening ear um he was his his door was always open to anyone who would want to go if they had a problem or something like that i always like he was very approachable hmm. any more so than bluebell <laughs> Really? Huh. Well, I thought well, yeah, And also, what, just to follow through with what Karina's saying, is um, Pierre had been a dancer and had worked with Karina. So um, that, you know, gives you a certain empathy towards the performers. Um, Bluebell was a dancer, definitely, but I don't think there was anybody in the show who had actually worked with Bluebell as a dancer. You know, I don't think anyone yeah. was quite that old. But so, um, you see, he had that, you know. Um, and also, you know, he would give the kids to the performers. Um, and if the performer hadn't corrected it, um, then he'd get involved. And it only took him to say something. And all of a sudden, some miracle would happen. And all of a sudden, the performer could actually do the correction, even though the captain had given the note four times. Really? Oh, yes. Huh. Huh. So the pictures I've seen, he does look like he, I don't know if I would say sense of humor, but a playfulness. And I don't want to interpret anything out of the pictures that maybe isn't there. But a lot of the pictures I've seen, I'm like, he looks like he would have been someone really fun to hang out with outside of the show. Um, if that's not true, you can tell me. But if he is, if it is true, yeah. you can, like, what was he like? Just like, as far as, you know, because people can work hard and play hard or their character might be the same backstage on stage and parties. 
or at home? Well, before Stuart's time, um, I spent quite a lot of time, um, you know, I was invited to his place for parties and it was always fun because his place was amazing. Uh, had his costume from Ale Lido there, for example. It was this um, Japanese huge kind of geisha costume, male one. I'm not sure if it was it wasn't a samurai. I don't know what it was, but he had that there in the in the you know as you walked into the lounge room, it was there, and it was very beautiful apartment with his um, his uh, friend Tom at the time. And then in Woodwalk, Debbie de Coudre and in Woodwalk, Ursuline, you know, uh, uh, from the other shows, all the stars from the other shows would come in and he knew everybody. And so it was really the who's who of shows. It felt like, you know, as a young 17, 18 year old, I'd be like, oh, my God, this one's here and she's here and he's there. And, and you know, he'd welcome everyone with open arms and have a lot of fun. He was very, he loved a party. Hmm. <laughs> Fine. Did, the one thing that Pierre taught me was the one thing that Pierre taught me was this is work and this is me at work and this is me out of work and there were two very different people you know work work was one thing and you got treated a particular way and Pierre was also very good at supporting his captains if he disagreed with what you said he would never tell you in front of the other performers however you'd get called up to his room and then he would tell you but he always supported you as a captain um, in front of everybody, you know, he was always very good at that. And then if he disagreed, um, he would tell you separately. Uh, you know, he was always very much like that. And yes, he had an evil sense of humor, an evil <laughs> sense of, one of the blue, one of the bluebells once said, turned around to him and said, you told me I looked like a cow being milked on stage. I was like, what were you doing? <laughs> she said, I can't remember, but you told me I looked like a cow being milked. I was like, now there's a visual. <laughs> oh my gosh because when you're a friend with someone you work with it's a kind of interesting balance like uh oh is this okay because I'm on the friend side of this or we're working like how to know like did, was that hard for you or could you just kind of play that that line pretty easy when we used to have company calls which we didn't have very often we always had company calls when there was contract change so we had four days of com company calls you know, opening tableau, the next two tableaus and the, you know, whatever was left. And then we did a run. And Pierre, we'd, we'd all be there early, you know, the captains, because, you know, have to set costumes and all this sort of stuff. So, um, and Pierre would arrive just on time, if not a little, little fashionably late. And I'd say, okay, Pierre's coming in. And I said, and so the guess is, who is the first person he's going to scream at? And they're like, who do you mean I said, well, Captain, it'll be me. And it was always me. I was the person that was screamed at. And, um, and I would say, Daddy, he'd be like, <laughs> and then I, I would be like, now are we finished, Mr. Rombier? Thank you. I was, you know, he'd come in and I was always the person. I can remember one set in that particular rehearsal, you know, just standing there, people had to walk around me. You're in the wrong place. I'm like, I can't be there because the elevator's down. So unless you expect me to hover, no. So he would give and take. You know, he would, he would, you know, he would suddenly go, well, you, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, no, I'm not. And he'd be like, oh, is it always like that? I'm like, you directed this show. You should know. So you could say that to him. Really? In front of everybody. And he'd be fine with that. But you, you, would, know, you would know how far you could go. You know, he was always the boss. 
He was well, always the boss. Well, that feels but, really different from the, oh gosh, the dog. But still an evil sense of humor. But it, like with Don Arden, I know like he, the way he would want <laughs> to call through a pillow the dog trying to get to making noise. With Don, like you didn't know if you were going to just be blasted in front of the whole cast. Like if he was your friend or not, like you're just kind of waiting to be humiliated where if it, for people to get to work without that, without waiting for the, the, the fits and the rage, like it must, must've been a huge relief, but to see people work together with that respect on both sides of it must've, I would think would be a relief to go, Oh, this feels different. <laughs> Did people, were there people that had done both? Because some of those people carried over from Don Arden's day into Bluebell and Pierre, or was that pretty much that was just totally different people by that time when you're doing what you're doing? Well, Karina would have done with, with Karina would have done the um, Don Arden Bluebell into Pierre stage. I mean, I I didn't when I met Don and I'd heard all the horror stories. Um, as I said beforehand, he you know you I'd love to give you a sweet, but you're too fat. Get off my stage! You know, she's yelling at people you know, in the middle of rehearsals. Pierre would never do that. He would never, ever do that. He had respect for his performers. You know, and I think Don had, you know, I don't know if the stories are true or they're myths or whatever the case may be, but the Don Arden stories are legendary. As, as Pierre's stories are legendary as well, but it took a lot for him to lose his temper. I have a funny. I have a funny story, uh, Stuart. Um, with I think when I was like understudy dance captain of the Bells, and I think you were the understudy dance captain of the Boys, and the anyway, all the understudy dance captains were on one night because and and Pierre was off, and Pierre Bizarre was our stage manager. Do you remember that night? And mm -hmm. everyone started mucking up because Miss Weber wasn't there yeah. either. And then the boys started putting on more and more makeup and, you know, everyone was doing something really oh, naughty. And so I went down to the Bells and I said, please don't jump on this bandwagon. This is really bad. Um, I just beg you, just don't, don't do it. You know, we're Bells. We, we mustn't do this. And uh, Pierre Bézard was very upset because the second show was a little bit too much, actually. Maybe there weren't many people in the audience, but still it was unprofessional. It was funny, but it was unprofessional. And so, Stuart, do you remember we got called up um, to the office, to Pierre's office, and we were all squashed in his office. Yep, and I do. Bizarre was there, and we were like naughty children being told, uh, Pierre was being told the story. Pierre Bizarre was telling Pierre Rombert, and he said, you know, this is Pierre Bazar. he said, you know, Pierre is like when they say, when the cats are away, the mouse, what they are, they are, they are flying all over the place. <laughs> and so we were standing there and we were like, really like, you know, naughty children, you know, in the naughty corner. And then we did that, we all just went, <laughs> started laughing and being naughty again. It was so funny. <laughs> you remember that, Stuart? Do you remember that night? I most certainly do. I do. Yeah, there were a few so of those. Shows that that was shows, shows the control that Pierre had you know, in the show. These things were very rare that, you know, people would get naughty. <laughs> my favourite... My favourite is the fact that Pierre could never work out why we knew where he was in the, sh in the room 
until one day I said to him, in those days you could smoke inside. Um, Pierre was a chain smoker. And all you had to look for was the little red light somewhere in the room. <laughs> and you'd be, Pierre's over there. And he'd be like, how do they know? I'm like, well, if you give up smoking, they'll never find you. <laughs> so I love the funny stories. It's hard, like on demand. Do you guys have any others like what of just his sense of humor or the, the fun? Because when we talk about our years of performing, there's either the disasters that stand out or the funny things. And some of it just as glamorous as it is, it's just day to day to day, kind of the same thing. But there's things that stand out over this, you know, this long career that make up the good yeah. memories. Yeah. Because there were so many foreigners at the Lido, you know, um, and when I started, what would happen was that he would try to organize for a new dancer to bunk in with an, another dancer who was already in the show. So they didn't have to pay for a hotel and all that sort of stuff. But um, quite often, if there was a problem, the dance, the performer would call Pierre. And I remember one night, it's about three o'clock in the morning, and I had my little apartment down in the ninth, which is one of the arrondissements in Paris. And Pierre says, oh, one of the girls is having a problem with her boyfriend. He says he's got a gun and he's in the porch out of her apartment block and he's going to shoot or do something with his gun. He said, could you possibly, because I live near this place, could you possibly go around and see if she's okay? I said, Pierre, I'm not going around to a place where a man's got a gun to see if a girl's all right, call the police. He's like, well, no, you're so close. I'm like, gun, gun, because he didn't have any, it was like, well, you know, just go and see if she's okay. The man has a gun, call the police. For it didn't dawn, dawn on him that, you know, the gun might actually be loaded or something. He was like, well, just go and see if she's okay. I'm like, no, no, call the police. At the time, his perception of danger was not good. Did it end up okay? Was she okay? Oh, it was fine. It was absolutely fine. Nothing happened. But the fact <sighs> he called me up and said, apparently the girl's boyfriend has a gun and is going to shoot something. Um, could you just go around and see if she's okay? For him, it was just like, we'll just go and see if she's okay. Don't worry about the gun. Nothing's going to happen <sighs> with it. I'm like, gun? Does that mean anything to you? No. Even, Lots of he, sometimes he wasn't the most practical person in the world. Right. Well, how much of that actually? Because I know with Bluebell, like you said, her office was open. You could talk, you know, because it's not just management of who's in the show, but also there's, you know, you got to cast that big. There's there's drama and dilemmas and things that aren't working out. Like with your position with Pierre, how much of that were you doing with, you know, within a week of people's problems or? things that like someone's boyfriend has a gun like how much was personal things that you also had to kind of step in on or, were, or was it like whatever's oh. on the stage on the stage well there, was, there, was, there was always a lot of no that that never happened there was always there was always that and also you were involved with people foreigners to start with you know they came over you had to organize their work papers and help them find apartments and you know explain how um the leader works, how Paris works or France works. And, you know, all the little things like your social security and um, how your salary works and getting a bank account. And, and then, you know, for a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people, especially the girls, because they tend to be younger than the men, um, they get homesick, you know, being away from home. And they're in a country where they're speaking the language, you know, they're working fairly antisocial hours. So there was, there, there were, all sorts of things happening. And there was lots of fun as well, you know, you know, go out. I mean, I don't think I paid 
for a drink for 10 years going out to a nightclub, nightclubs in Paris. You know, you just went in and it was like, oh, the Lido's here. And you, so there was all sorts of fun things as well. Wow. And there were dramas, of course. There were dramas. Yeah, you've got to have some of that. Wow. Yeah, it's making me miss those days. <laughs> we, we did. I just remembered when I left yeah. Paris. Sorry, um, sorry, Stuart, you're cracking up on my thing, but um, I just wanted, I just remember we did Pierre uh, and I did the Lido tour. Um, it was the bicentennial of French Revolution and we toured uh, America. Uh, we did New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas and Houston. And Pierre took us on the road and it was a 10-day tour and we stayed in the top hotels and we performed in the ballrooms of the hotels. And um, what I wanted to say, oh, yes, I wanted to tell you that there was a, I was a principal in that and I, I was dancing with Steve Gock, who was principal dancer as well. And Pierre um, had, Miss Bluber had asked me to do pas de deux in the show to understudy the pas de deux. Uh, so Pierre wanted me to do pas de deux in this, um, in the show with Steve Gock. And he was kind of smaller like like me too. So Pierre had us do that lift, you know, when you run and you jump up onto the shoulder and you do like an attitude devon derriere and then you turn around. And just before that, we did the kind of ballroom um, turns that we did all around the stage and had this magnificent pea green ballroom gown with um, pea green feathers all at the bottom. And uh, when we rehearsed this uh, lift, this final lift after the big tour, we'd run, jump, and he put me down and then we'd do a big back bend finish, you know. And in rehearsals, uh, we rest at the old Lido. And Steve and I, we just couldn't do this lift. And I said, Pierre, we, we have to change the lift. We can't do it. Every single time we fall out over it. And he said, no, that is staying in and you're going to do it. And it scared us to death because we never, ever got it right. And so there we were in New York, opening night of the show um, and going around the stage. Um, it was a magnificent um, evening from me because the audience just I'll loved be back. That. excuse me I'll be back yes the audience the audience loved that because you know it was spectacular because of the gown and we're turning really really fast and then we go to our corners and we do the big presentation and I was just thinking oh god please let's make this work <laughs> and we ran in and he picked me up and he turned me around and we finished and the audience was amazing and we fluked it. we fluked it five times <laughs> because he made us <laughs> we never once got it right in rehearsals and he took that risk you know and so did we somehow it just happened and he knew we could do it wow wow yeah because that that could have gone the other way and so like the, you must have seen that you're you're able to do it yeah and so, I don't know yeah sorry go ahead. oh no go ahead if, if you have if we maybe like one more story if you have it yeah, sorry uh, just about the part of dirt thing so um, they wanted me, uh, they called me up here and Miss Bluebell into Miss Bluebell's office to um, ask me um, if I would, um, you know, consider doing the uh, understudy. And at that time, there was a, a, a Australian guy called Simon, and they wanted to put us together. He was from the Australian Ballet. He was a lovely guy. And so I went away and I, they said, you don't have to tell us right now, but we'll come back, come back in a week and, you know, let us know what you think. 
And as you know, you know, I was doing all the places in the show and I knew if I did the pas de deux understudy that it was, you know, it was a, a big featured number and I would have to rehearse a lot, you know. You never know when you go on as an understudy. It's always that time, like with Gene Kelly, that you never expect that you're going to do those numbers, right? So you have to be on the ball and very professional the way you keep practising. Um, so I really actually didn't want to do it. And so I went back up into the office. They called me back in and they said, so, you know, uh, have you thought about it? And I said, yes, I have thought about it. And, you know, I'm doing all these places, but I, we haven't talked about money. Uh, is there going to be like an extra fee for me doing this uh, as a constant understudy? And Miss Bloomer was so cross with me. Pierre just looked at me with his glasses like, how dare she ask that question? And then Miss Bloomer said, I beg your pardon, what did you say? And I said, money, you know, money. And I rubbed my fingers because <laughs> I had no idea how to talk business-wise as a dancer, no idea. And Pierre just started laughing at me and I felt like, you know, a tiny little idiot. Um, and Miss Bluebell, she said, well, I thought a girl of your age would have given her right arm to do a place like that in the show, you know, not to you know, even think about the money. You know, this is a principal position. And she said, I think we'll have, to, we'll have to think about that. She said, and I went out of that room so embarrassed. And then Pierre called up into his dressing room um, a couple of days later and he said, oh, you know, you're right, you're doing all these different places and if you were doing this role and then do the understudy of the, it had to go on to do how to do it, it wouldn't work. And I said, it's the money, right? <laughs> and he said, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> it, was more, it was more just putting her stamp on that saying, no, you just did yeah. the very well <laughs> I love there's two, I didn't two want to react yeah. Oh, yeah but good for you for asking yes yes and I didn't want to do it because you know, I felt like I'd committed enough knowing everybody's part and that was a, a very big honor it was a big honor it really was but I didn't feel like I could live up to that honor then for all the money in China <laughs> <laughs> So, Stuart, do you have one more Pierre story to give a little when, glimpse of his? When we were doing Panache, the, we had the Egyptian number. And, you know, every, you know, in all these non-art shows, everything has a, um, a name. So this was called the boudoir. So, you know, it's the usual thing. The girl, the, the woman does something wrong, so then she must pay. You know, it's very stereotypical of that time. And what happened in this particular number was there's a moment where the, um, the principal boy does it think the principal girl's lying on the floor? He does a thing, lies on top of her, they roll over, and then he literally brings his knees up and pushes her up off the floor. So she's in this position. Yeah. And we had this glorious girl called Carol Campbell. Carol was a giant, an absolute giant of a dancer. And Pierre's like trying to explain how to do this thing. He said, Look, I'll do it. So he goes to do it. And so Pierre basically came up to her chest. You know, this girl was a giant. And he's trying, to, he's, no, I'll just show you. So he does the, position lands on top of her, rolls over, they roll over together and goes to push her up. Well, Carol was a big girl and you're pushing dead weight, you know, because there's no preparation because you're just pushing her up. And Pierre's like, just watch me go. <laughs> and he tries to go and it looks like a cartoon because Carol just goes Poof, and all you <laughs> Pierre's limbs sticking out from underneath her. And we're, and we're in hysterics and he's like, uh, Carol, Carol, could you please get off me? <laughs> like, no, I'll show you how to I'll show you how to do it I'm like going this is not going to end well it was the funniest thing he looked like a bug squashed 
Oh my gosh. Was he someone that could laugh it off or he wouldn't get him? Oh yes. Humili- See, that's a beautiful thing. Cause that's like, that's funny. But if you've got someone, Oh, don't you dare laugh. Cause they're not going to handle it. Well, yeah. oh, I don't wish there was video of that. Kareem so and I, think- I were remembering oh, a story. We were remembering a story. Um, there was this woman who had approached Pierre many, many times about being an act in the show. Um, and so it's a Saturday night. Um, and this woman comes in again and Pierre's like, no, 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 no. So the end of the first show, it's a Saturday night. And they were backstage. So we're backstage and all of a sudden we hear the audience applauding. And we're like, oh, you know, you were on stage doing our presets for the, sh- the second show. And all of a sudden these two maitre d's come through with this woman, bollock naked, bollock naked. She had, was a stripper, striptease artist, sorry. And she had, gone on, she had gone on stage and taken all her clothes off as everybody's leaving the show. You know, we're talking 1,200 people here, is leaving the show. Um, and the waiters just grab her, pull her through the curtain. And she was so offended. She said, no, 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 no. The, the best bit is when they give me my clothes and I put them back on again. Then Pierre comes back. Pierre comes back, loses it. Now, my problem when Pierre used to lose his temper, I would get the giggles, which he knew. Which he would know, and he would, that would make me even angrier, which would make me even worse. And I'm just there, <laughs> he is losing it, and I am not even trying to cover it up. I am in hysterics. This woman has got no clothes on. She's of a certain age. Um, and- Excuse me, Stuart. She had boots on. She left her white boots on and her white Russian hat. <laughs> Didn't she have a hat on or something? She had a white Russian hat. You know, those furry ones that stick straight <laughs> That's all she had on. And Pierre was yelling and screaming at her. He was like steam coming out of his glasses. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen him so angry. Oh my goodness. And we're just standing there, you know, in our track suits and our stage makeup with our, because we had all our presets in our bag, in these bags, um, just looking like you're doing your shopping. Walking across the stage <laughs> with this naked woman, two maitre d's, and a very incensed artistic director screaming at this woman. And she's like, no, no, no. You missed out the best bit when they give me the, my clothes back and I put them back on. <laughs> that seems like it should be a bit in the show. Like they, if they could have hired her and made that like a thing. Oh yeah. Oh, but oh just, you're backstage, you just hear the audience applauding for no reason. You're like, what's happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that story definitely needed to be in here. Oh, wow. So, I don't, I know there were some posts towards the end that, did you, did people know that he was, he was struggling, that he was not doing well, or was it kind of a surprise to the community? There were two instances. Unfortunately, somebody had posted that he'd passed away and it was somebody that Pierre knew and he hadn't passed away, which was a a huge shock. And when I I saw the post, I was like, no, 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 I don't believe this. So I got in touch and the, the, um, the man was incredibly apologetic and the reason people believed it because this man was not a gossip anyway um, a couple of weeks later Pierre called me I was in England at the time he called me and he had um, was in hospital at the time he had um, a, a problem with his heart uh, and they he was on very strong antibiotics at the time but he was not well and he called me up and he basically asked me to say goodbye for him. Uh, He had made a decision that was his time, that he had had a good life, 
that he wanted to say goodbye to everybody that knew him. He loved everybody. And um, that they shouldn't be upset that, you know, he'd made this conscious decision and he was ready to go. And that was on the Monday and he died on the Wednesday or the Thursday. Wow. So, the fact that he called you, to, to, that means a lot, I'm sure. I did. I really, really did. Oh. But the fact is he wanted everyone to know that he wasn't in any pain. He wasn't suffering, that he just has to, had decided that it was his time and he wanted people yeah. to know that he loved them and he cared uh-huh. for them and that he had had a good life. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful, Stuart, that you share that with everybody. Thank you. Because yeah. the last time I saw him and he was smoking, as you said, uh, when I was over in Paris uh, for the reunion. And I said, Pierre, I can't believe you're still smoking. You know, you should have stopped by now. And he said, darling, I'm never going to stop smoking. I'll be on my deathbed and I'll still be smoking that last cigarette. So okay. he-, he did He did give up, you know. It was so funny. Oh, he, he gave did? up. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Pierre was a chain smoker. You know, he lit one before he put one out. And he um, gave up smoking and he got his taste buds back and started to eat and put on weight. And he turned around to me and said, okay. If I cannot get into my clothes, I'm starting smoking again. And I was like, well, you're going to be starting smoking soon, love. Oh, no. Because Pierre was always very, very slim. Um, and he put this weight on. He was enjoying his food. And all of a sudden, he couldn't get into his clothes anymore. So he went, well, I'm starting smoking again. I'm not buying any wardrobe. So <laughs> there we are. <laughs> I saw a lot of pictures. Did, did he come to the reunion? Or because I saw pictures of maybe parties with him at the reunion in 2019 because i know like he, different uh, casts were getting together and i i remember seeing him in a lot of pictures of, of that did he come for he, those special he had, things? Um, he, had a, he had to get together in his apartment okay. um for what what where karina and i the olds the people that worked with him in the past so yeah. you're one of us as well you're an old as well i so am you're, 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 we're the olds <laughs> we're the olds that seems really sweet. I think because we don't know when it's, you know, if it's the last time we're going to see someone, but it just feels like a really beautiful thing that we got to have that reunion. And also that was before COVID that we couldn't have had. If it was this year, like the timing for people to reconnect and, and, and show appreciation for the people. Cause when I did the interview with um, Helly Hansen for uh, Kate Vanderleet, I, I loved hearing all about Kate, but I really loved hearing about their friendship and that, Kate was so well loved. And at the end, it was kind of that same thing of that, like people got to say what they wanted to say. They got to be with them and like, just how these friendships, I'm so blown away that like how long ago you guys worked with Pierre and that this friendship, the last, and also the adoration has lasted even after his passing, that there's people that are, you know, will post pictures and, and say what he meant to them. And, and I think that the legacy of the bluebell, like how far reaching it is, because I came to the reunion only knowing like three people because I did not dance in Paris. I knew some people from my area, but it just like, they knew people from Paris. So then I felt connected to the whole family, even though I'd never danced with you. I like Karina, I've interviewed you. And now I'm like, love you, your family. And I feel like, Oh, we're part of this. And that Pierre, even though I've never met, met him, I still feel like, Oh, that's part of my circle, part of my family, even though I never met him. So oh, I just feel like, all the tributes I've seen makes me go, I wish I'd met him, but I'm super glad just to see those pictures of the reunion and say, wow, this yeah. is, this has lasted for years. 
Yeah, yeah and we also had like little picnics, didn't we, um, to do yes. it, you know. I mean, Michelle Brown was from uh, from America and she said, oh, let's just have something really casual. So we, we just met in the, and we asked Pierre, you know, what's best for you? So he said, we'll meet in the Tuller's. And we had a little picnic there and he, he joined us. And uh, there was a lot of crying going on because it's the first time that a lot of people had seen him for a long time, you know, were just so grateful for everything he'd done for them, looking after them when they were young, coming over to Paris. And it was, it was lovely, wasn't it, Stuart? Those picnics. Get and then um, he wasn't coming to the reunion, obviously, at the Lido, but I said, you must come at least to the photo shoot, you know, to, to see everyone. Everybody wants to see you. And so I unfortunately didn't go to that, but he went and I could see from the photographs all the love from all the generations of people that have worked with Pierre. It was all there on the photographs. That's the one at the, at the uh, Trocadero Square with yes. him. Because yes. uh, I do remember him saying, oh, that's so beautiful. It does make me just realize like we just don't know how much time we have and how important saying what you want to say and just that that reunion feels even more remarkable. Oh no, Lindsay did a wonderful job. Lindsay and her, yeah. her husband and son did a wonderful, wonderful job. Wow. So when you, because we will wrap up here, is there anything that you would like to say, like if, you know, assuming that Pierre can hear you and the people that love him that you would like to kind of have, like if we'd had a memorial with all these bluebells together when people get up and say the thing that they, they wanted to say to that person, I know I put you right on the spot and I don't know, I'm sorry to do that to you, but, or even just what you'd want other people to know about him. Oh, the Pierre was a very dear friend of mine. Um, I'll miss him terribly, especially when I go to Paris, starting to cry. He told me so much. He believed in me. He saw things in people they didn't see in themselves. Um, sorry to be emotional, but he really did. He saw, like, like Stuart said, he knew people well. And he gave them that opportunity um, to shine on that stage. Oh, and um, I'm grateful that he was in my life and in my career and, as, and a friend as well. He was one of the most special people I've ever met. Mm. I miss him terribly. And I think the tears are beautiful. It just shows that there's a lot of love. And <laughs> oh, it's hard. It's, we can celebrate and, clap, you know, and we do the, the funny stories, but there is the sadness. It's like. Yeah, I think that's such a part of this too, is it's a place to be able to process and for people to hear this and if they want to cry, if they want to laugh, it's, you know, we're all spread around the world, but to know other people are feeling the feelings seems really good not to just make it like it's everything is super happy because there's a loss. We've lost a, a great human. Yes, and um, thank goodness for those connections. Thank goodness for the Paris reunions and that people came from all over the world and that he got to see them as well. Mm -hmm. Thanks, you didn't sign up for this, I know. Um, for me, Pierre will always be part of my life, you know. I mean, you, and, and you know this as well, you know, because the business we're in is very transitory um, and you meet a lot of people and you lose contact and all that sort of thing. Um, for me, being at the Lido for so long was great because I got to meet so many people, new people and old people, people I'd heard about. Um, the reunion was great for that. All of a sudden, I can suddenly go, "Oh, you're such and such," oh. uh, maybe not. And that's because of Pierre. You know, I I was originally staying for ten months, and Pierre offered me things, and which I had never ever thought of oh. doing or even expecting. Um, and 
but the one thing I loved about Pierre is I always learned from him. The, what, the reason I stayed at the Lido for as long as I did was working with Pierre. I was always learning something, you know, um, learning how to do something, learning how not to do something. Um, and he was a great friend. He was always there. And, you know, and I could discuss things with him. If I disagreed with him, he would listen to me. He may not do anything about it, but he would listen to me. Um, and would take that on board. So, you know, an articulate man, very witty, very irreverent, very, very irreverent. Oh, yes. Mm. And, you know, he would say things and you, but, you know, you'd be like, I can't laugh now because you just said something very inappropriate about the person that's standing right in front of me. You know, there's all of that. So, you know, lots of that. There was lots of laughter. There was always lots of laughter. Oh, there's... I love that because I feel like at the um, Hello Hollywood Hello reunion that I went to two years before the Paris one and then Paris, but I really had no idea what I was part of when I was in it. I was young. I auditioned for Miss Bluebell. I did not know her legacy. I didn't, we didn't have access like we do now with some of these things, but it was coming back. I got really emotional seeing Bluebell's picture because all of us were crying, like, because we go this, I have my career because of this woman and a really great career. And I think for, the younger ones that hear these stories that I always want Miss Bluebell's story to keep going because we, you know, the new cast, a lot of them know this legacy. And then for Pierre's legacy that, that we don't forget, because I think, you know, like whatever was old, I love that the younger people do have a, a curiosity. It seems like to know the history, who these people are instead of like, Oh, that's old. That doesn't relate to me. It all does that this is all woven together, you know, that how each person, especially the long, the long haulers, the people that were there for a long time making a difference that I hope that people, you know, like I have, I have gratitude for him. I've never met him because of you guys telling your stories and the photos. And I hope that, you know, that we keep, we keep that legacy going. And then whoever else carries the mantle from here that, um, yeah, these are the people that, that shaped our careers and our and our personalities and our friendships in so many ways. So yes, definitely. Yes, Thank and you. Pierre, Pierre was very much a part of Miss Bluebell's life too. Yeah, and I like that it wasn't just an end of a chapter and a new it was all the overlay was really important of how that transition happened. Because I can't imagine her doing that and then just like hoping that somebody does a good job at it. Like you'd have to trust someone with not just your legacy but these people that you care about that they're going to be well cared for and respected and the great thing too was he was a ballet he was a ballet, ballet dancer he had you know fabulous training and technique and everything that miss bluebell always wanted in a dancer and, and that's that's uh that's why she chose him obviously for for that role wow. well thank you for making this work I'm going to go to bed because it's 1.30 in the morning. Karina's going to go about her day and, Pierre, and uh, Stuart's just starting his. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So um, again, thank you for, for doing this. I really appreciate you guys like sharing, sharing those bits of your heart and your story. So thank you. Um, if you have any pictures you want to share, um, any video, I just think that it's a good time for that. You know, the first part is shock and then we kind of go about our day and then it's kind of a good time to revisit and process uh, as a group definitely thank you. Thank you. <sighs> love to see you again Stuart and lovely to see you again also Sherry thank you so take much care, the next the next reunion goodbye guys take care bye. of yourself bye you too bye bye bye